So we are in the study of the seed of, but you could call it the study of eternal life, just as we've been saying. And we're going to review some of the things we looked at last week where, you, you know, I was going to go in some other areas, but I just didn't feel the release of the Lord. So I, I think this is so important from last week. We're going to review some of it. And it's the dealing with the seed and the firstborn. Understanding the firstborn from the dead. And it's tight in the Bible through Isaac. Now, when you, for, for Scripture's sake, let's start in Colossians. And I've got so many things open here, I'm going to have to figure out how to get. There we go. There we go. To my Scripture. There we are. Zoom threw a wrench at me, and I guess made a change, or I forgot how to use it. it, doesn't matter. But in the book of Colossians, the Bible reads in chapter 1, verse 15 through 18, speaking of Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature or all creation. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now we can stop right here. And call him God. He's before all things. And by him, all things consist. And so when you look at the physical creation, he's the firstborn. Now, comprehending that, getting a hold of that, some people could say, well, God birthed Jesus before the world. Okay, that's what some people believe, but it says he's before all things, and by him all things consist. So we have to wrap our mind around that, and I think only the Spirit of the Lord can allow us to wrap our mind around that, folks. So when, when we look at him as before all things and as the one that all things uh, consist by, the only one I know that all things consist by is God himself. The only one I know for by him were all things created that are in heaven or that are in earth, visible and invisible. If I go to Genesis, it said, and God created. Now, in the creation story, and I'm just going to touch this for a moment and move on here. In the creation story in Genesis 1, he said, let there be light. And God created the heaven and the earth, and he comes down in there, and he's, and there was darkness upon the face of the earth, and he said, let there be light. And I believe, if I, I believe, and God sure can change me, and he's changed me many times, so I'm just going to say this, God brought himself into creation as the light. 
and he by himself separates light from darkness. So we don't know what light is unless we know God. That's it. And you don't know God unless you know Christ. There's no other revelation of God. That's it. So when you come back to the beginning of all things, you have God. In the beginning was God. In the beginning was the Word. And you look at the at the two places in the Bible, and I'm sure there's many others that deal with the beginning, but the two profound beginnings, the begin in the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. And in that Word, Logos, Logos, however you pronounce it, Logos, is the mind, the thought, the purpose, the intention. Everything that God thought in the beginning, I believe, was in his heart. And he began to speak. And when he began to speak, it began to come forth. He set everything in motion. He gave life, natural life, to everything we see. Without him, there's not even natural life, folks. <laughs> you don't even consist in the natural without him. So, so it's it's by him, through him, to him, for him. All the terminology you can use is God said. And he said, let there be light. And so man comes on the scene. And I believe man is, in one sense, the apple of God's heart, and in another sense, the most arrogant of his creation. Because man becomes self-centered in himself. And we find that in Adam. Adam and Eve, and it's portrayal of all mankind because it's the nature. It's the nature and character of man. That in himself, he couldn't find satisfaction. You gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Because to, if I could say it this way, to find your soul or to fulfill your soul, you had to have life. And the life you had to have was the life of God. So this comes to this second part of this verse of scripture in Colossians. And I think it's one of the most powerful parts of the Bible. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And you could take this and study and study and study. Because if you take it just naturally, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You say, well, Lazarus was raised from the dead. <laughs> you can go find other instances uh, where men were received from the dead. Right? 
So how's he the firstborn from the dead? He's born out from the dead. And, and in order for him to be born out from the dead, he that had all preeminence start with, he that by everything that was made, was made, everything that consisted, consisted, had to come into man. That's the issue. He had to lower himself and come into man. And back in Genesis, I think he, 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 there's this very powerful thing God did. He created everything by seed. So he was going to enter man by seed. And in, in one place it says, the seed is the word of God. Now, I know you have natural seeds. But the angel, and again, the Lord can correct me here, but the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary that the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow her and she's going to conceive. I believe she received in her heart that word. And that word had the creative power of God in it. And a babe was, was birthed in her womb. And that babe was going to come forth, just as the angel said, and is going to be the son of the highest. Because he'd been declared through the prophets, he'd been declared by the word of God. And so that seed had to come into man and be tried. The very seed of God himself. I don't believe there was ever a man like Jesus before. Now that's me. I believe he was unique. <clears throat> and I think that's why Isaac had to happen just like he did. And why it's in the book of Hebrews, Isaac's called the only begotten. How many knows Isaac wasn't Abraham's only begotten in the natural term? He had Ishmael. But in the book of Hebrews, chapter, I believe, 11, I have so many notes here, I have to try to find it. He calls him only begotten. 11.17 says, Hebrews 11.17 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the prophet's promises, <coughs> offered up his only begotten. The only one like Isaac. There had never been another one like Isaac. Because Isaac was the promised seed. He was promised. He was in the heart of Abraham before he was born. You know that? Just like Christ was in the heart of God. Abraham received the word and that son was in his heart. Now, he went out and tried because he, was, he wasn't God. He was just a man. He, he went out and tried, and we went through all this. He tried to perform it and produce that man, that son. But the Spirit of the Lord had to come to Mary, or not to Mary, there to Sarah, and give her and Abraham the ability to have a child. 
and they had the child. I mean, that, that son wasn't as Christ. But the ability to have the child nonetheless came from the Spirit of the Lord. So they have a child, and there's none like that child. And that child, is we dealt with a couple of times, is taken to the mount of the Lord where it shall be seen, and he's offered up. And we read it that Abraham in type received him back from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. And out of this firstborn son from the dead, all of Israel inherits the inheritance. All the seed gets what the promised seed is going to get. Wow. They're going to get the promise. They're going to get Isaac's, the whole seed, the whole nation. Now, to me, that's speaking volumes because it's speaking of Christ to thy seed, who is Christ. And Christ had to be birthed into man and die and be quickened by the Spirit from among the dead raised out in fact some of the words used for raised up from the dead is actually raised out from among the dead if you start doing word studies not all of them but some of them you'll find is raised out from among the dead what does that mean <clears throat> well study your bible and adam all die so the dead is everyone in that natural creation. Jesus came into that natural creation, was born into that natural creation, anointed of God, I believe as king and priest, and died the death of the cross. But he was raised out from among the dead. Why? To be the first born from the dead that he would even have all preeminence in that what i mean by that and again i'm going to go back to the natural creation in the natural creation it couldn't be made without his preeminence it couldn't consist it couldn't even come together i mean this foolishness something happened out here and everything just Lickety split. No. He come together by God. By the word of God, he framed the world. Now you come over the word of God himself becomes a man. And now the whole new creation that you and I are consists by him. We can't come in here. By any other way. We can't become dead to sin. We can't become dead to the world. We can't become dead to the law. But by him, he is the preeminent one, glory to God. And it's in the knowing of him that we can experience dead to sin. But if I don't know him as dead to sin, I'll never know what that really means. 
I can read it in the Bible and quote it and say it and speak it, but I have to know the Lord Jesus myself. There has to be a knowing in my soul of who he is. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He didn't design it any other way. It's the knowing of him. And as I know him, I can know what dead to sin means. And we all may know it in a measure, but I'm going to tell you, there's always a greater, more tremendous measure of the Lord. Yes, sure is. So he's first born from the dead. Now, we don't come out from the dead, but by him. See, there's this idea that Jesus was just the prototype. And when I hear that, I mean, I, I've read some good brothers, and I don't mean this wrong, but I hear that inside and I go, oh, dear brother, no, he's not the prototype. He's the life. <laughs> you know, you, you're not going to be what he is, but by him living in you. Now, I'm not telling you you're not going to be what he is, but I'm telling you the only way you're going to be as he is is he lives in you, and what he is is revealed in you. And I think if people would understand it, it'd clear up a lot of things. Because they, they want to think, I'm going to be just like Jesus. Okay, I want to be just like him too. But the, but the, <laughs> the reality of doing that is to know him. And in the measure I know him is the measure that I can, if I use the word manifest or exhibit or display, that's the measure that'll come out of us is what we know. So that I don't believe, and this is me, I don't believe there's a magical day I hear womb. I believe the day is him. And as I see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, there's a change that's going on in the inside of me to be made visible in there. But it's him living in me. I don't believe I can possess it any other way. That's me. I believe it's through him living in me and the revealing of him that lives in me. So this firstborn from the dead, this is a big deal. That's why the type and shadow had to be perfect. Just like we went through last week, they had to enter into the house and eat the lamb, the, the Israelites. The Israelites couldn't come out of Egypt without eating the lamb. No, no more can we come out of Egypt without eating the lamb. You can't get out. You have to eat the lamb. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. So, so I think he clears that up. Unless I eat of him, I don't have this life that God's after, this seed that's planted in the earth to produce a very, very distinct life who is Christ. So I eat the lamp. Just like the Israelites had to enter in there and eat it, they, they entered into that house and they ate the lamb. They put the blood, they went through the blood. I don't believe there's any other way to do it. 
You come through the blood. You eat his flesh and drink his blood, and you're birthed in him. You originate. You shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus says, I'm the door. You'll come into me and originate out of me. I believe it's what he's saying there. You're going to enter into me. And when you enter into him, what do, you, what do the Israelites come face to face with? As, as when they leave that house and the new day dawns, the Egyptians are chasing them. Going to get them. <laughs> and they come to the Red Sea. They come face to face with the death of the, at the Red Sea. So, they, Like I said last week, they had to walk through it. They walked through that sea, that death, the death of the Lamb, the burial, the putting away of the old man. Egypt is gone. Now they got out there in the wilderness, and I'm sure they all wanted to go back to Egypt, or most of them did, because they didn't see the promise fulfilled. They didn't believe God. See, our promise that we're given, I believe, is all things of Christ. We are to inherit all things of him. And that's our inheritance. I believe whether we're here in this body or we've moved on, it's still our inheritance is to inherit all things of him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And I'm like Brother Dale, I think that's enough. I think Jesus himself is enough. If, if I come to know the things of him, I think I've come to, to enough. I think it's more than enough. I don't think we can exhaust him. So we come to this term inheritance, and inheritance is for the firstborn. And, if, and, and when we look into the, the, the word sonship and some of these big words in the Bible, adoption, redemption of the body, all these things that, that Lord Willem, we're going to cover in, in this meeting and in Culpepper in the coming weeks, we're looking at, at what's of him, his body, redeemed unto himself. Now, that's what I, you know, believe we're coming to, is being redeemed unto him. We're walking in what he is. We're attaining that that we see and walking in it in the earth. Absolutely. Just like Israel eventually attained the promised land and walked, they walked in the promised land on the earth. Wasn't over yonder, it was in the earth. They were walking in the promises of God in the earth. And they entered there by faith, by the comprehension and knowing of Christ, and they believed it and entered into it. And you know, those that grew up in it, they, they didn't know any difference. They grew right up in the promised land, believing that was theirs from birth. So I don't know if there's a people that gets birthed in this truth that's in Christ, and they believe it right from birth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, that they don't have to walk around in the wilderness like the old did. Just saying, I, I don't know. But I look at that, 
And here's this reality of Christ that lives in a people that a people would come to know and possess. And this reality of Christ is out from the dead. And he had to go into death to be preeminent there. Revelation chapter, oh, I believe it's chapter one, says, let me look it up in my Bible instead of my notes. Revelation chapter one, verse five. says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten or firstborn of, this word of means out of. It means, it's, it means denoting origin, the point which motion or action proceeds from out of place, time, or cause. So he's first begotten from out of the dead. And he's the prince of the kings of the earth. And to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah to the lamb of the living God. Unto him that loved us and washed us with his blood, cleansed us with all his blood speaks of. Now that's a cleansing that you and I can't even do. And he's made us kings and priests or a kingdom of priests, one translation says, because we're a ministry of him. That's what we're a ministry of. We don't have any other ministry. And if you and if you want to take that kings and priests, what's his authority that's in us? We don't have any authority of our own. Because it's his life operating in us. So it's it's the kingdom of him, the authority of him, the rulership of him living in us. And, and, and I believe, folks, that's for, for us to attain as believers. The kingdom authority of Christ that rules over darkness, over death, over sickness, over all these things, I believe is for believers to attain. I believe that. Because he did it. And he's our life. And he's out from the dead. And this whole picture is, is there in Isaac. Thy seed shall be called. And all of Israel is possessing the promise, I believe, given of God to Isaac to Abraham, to Jacob. And so if we hear it, all of Israel 
is receiving that of Christ. His victory, his glory. Yes. Now, we never become the glorious one. He is. But the glory of him is made known in us. The glory that I have, I have given them. I am them, thou and me, that they be made perfect in one. We share this glory, this glory of God, that we would be perfected in what he is, that we would be completed in what he is, that we would be able to distribute, to speak, to declare, to know what he is. I mean, honey, I don't know anything more glorious. And this, this is moving throughout creation. You know, people look for, for an eternal one. And it's like, have, do you not see the eternal one that, that raised from the dead that the apostles looked upon? Do you not see the eternal one that has filled thousands and thousands and thousands of hearts from the time he raised from the dead and come back on the day of Pentecost to now? The eternal one has been present and brought eternal life into the midst of the earth, that a witness of him would be declared in the earth, that that's what we are. We're the witness of his life. Glory to God. That life that was with the Father and was made manifest in the Son, you and I have and are witnesses of it today in the earth. And, and Christians throughout the time after his resurrection had been witnesses of that in the earth. The eternal one. He fills eternity. And that's what he's doing. He's filling eternity with himself. And it comes manifest right here in the earth. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. This one. One, one more scripture, and I'm going to quit tonight. I know I've been a little long. But I'm going to read you in the book of Acts. We read this last week, but I think it's important. I was going to stop where I was at, but I felt like I, I need to read this. Acts chapter 13. And I would say to you, I also read in Acts 5, well, Acts 2, Acts, Acts 3, Acts 5, speaking of God exalting Christ and raising from the dead. But in Acts 13, 27, the Bible says, for those who live in Jerusalem and the rulers, because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As it is also written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. See, here's the fulfillment of the second Psalm. God raised Jesus from the dead. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. 
Therefore, he says also in another Psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. See, folks, this is how we're transformed out of corruption into incorruption. Is because Jesus doesn't see corruption. He's not the corruptible life of Adam. He's the divine life of God. Yes, he is. Well, he is preeminent from the dead. Out from among the dead. You are birthed as a new creation out from among the dead. And to sum this up, the way you come to know all this of being dead and being alive is in this living one who is your life. That seed that's planted in your heart that begins to come forth, that begins to mature, that begins to form. And as Paul so wonderfully says it to the Galatians, till Christ be formed in you. This is, I believe, the divine will and purpose that he be formed in us. And we be an ex exhibiting of what he is. Well, glory to God. God bless you. And I'll stop right here and turn it to Brother Mark.